Hey friends, it's Emily and Nicole, and we are going to be your hosts for Belonging, where we are going to get straight to the heart of the matter. Let's unpack together what it truly means to belong in an uninviting society when living with or affected by a disability. This is a conversation where we will share one story at a time while educating one another on God's view of disability, building awareness, and changing perspectives. Come as you are and be prepared to hear the real, raw truth. Friends, it's our last episode of season one. And we're sitting in the closet (laughs) eating popcorn. Can you hear the bags wrestling? And drinking wine. Having a glass of wine. (laughs) And when Nicole and I were struggling to figure out how we were going to wrap it up, Nicole texted me and she said, let me interview you. And I was like, "Mm, what? You're going to interview me? No, don't put me on the spot. And then I said (laughs) back, why don't we ask each other questions? But we don't give each other the questions until we do the live taping. How nerve-wracking is this? Do you know why we have wine now? <laughs> so, I have two questions for Nicole. And I have two questions for Emily. And neither one of us know what the questions are. And I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm nervous too. <laughs> so between the bag of popcorn, the glass of wine, I think we're gonna make it through. We'll, but we'll make it. I mean, we're like on we're on the clock here. Of are we putting the test of how raw and real are we really gonna be? Do we need tissues? <laughs> oh my gosh! Do we, we need, need tissues? I'll step out and get us tissues. Okay, you gotta pop it. I might need that pop it. <laughs> I got the pop it. You want the pops? You I want do. the pop? I do. She wants the fidget toy, people. She wants the fidget toy. Don't ask why I have a fidget toy in my closet, but she wants the fidget toy. All right, so Nicole, do you want me to go first with the question, or do you want to be asked first? (laughs) Um, how about we alternate one and one? How about that? Is that okay? Okay. Well, since you're so fidgety, why don't you ask me the first question? And then I will help relieve some of the okay, the fear. See, the fear is, friends, that I'm afraid I'm like, I, like how serious are we going to get? And there's always that because Nicole and I are very passionate about some subjects. So mm. you might hear this passion coming out. So if I feel I'm getting passionate in any response that I'm about to give, I'm going to stop <clears throat> and preface that it is extreme whatever it is, because I don't want you to feel I'm coming away having a tangent or a rant or something, but it's it's a true passion that I'm revealing. Ditto. Okay. And when I am super passionate about something, I can um, be in defense mode. So my tone automatically changes, but that doesn't mean... That it's okay. So I'm learning as a person how to navigate that side of my personality of 
passion with grace and not passion with defense. Mm, I love that. Mm. See, I love how we're unpacking this before because it's true. Like, you you get that text message from somebody and you're like, are they yelling at me? Like, what's the tone that they're using right yeah. now versus if they were just calling me? Right. So we're kind of saying, hey, we know these things about ourselves. Yeah. So we will stop and say, okay, there's going to be a lot of passion coming out. Don't miss read, but you're not reading. You're Well, you might be reading if you're reading the transcripts. Don't misinterpret what we're saying right all right mm-hmm. lord jesus help us it's all about you all right Emily. oh my gosh here we go <laughs> question number one question number one what is something that you have learned about yourself from doing this podcast mm. wow Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, because I have the book over there that you gave me, is daring to be and getting over my fear. Because mm. if you remember, the first episode that we released, which was just us and our introduction, it wasn't even a guest. It was just us putting ourselves out there of... Hey, we're doing this thing. We're doing this podcast. Do you remember like the enemy was attacking me that whole day? Uh-huh. And telling me I wasn't good enough and like who the heck wants to listen to you and all of it. And I almost didn't hit publish, but I did. So I've learned just to not let fear take hold of me. Mm. And even if it's one person or two people who are gaining something then be happy with the one or two Mm. like I don't need to have all of these followers and all of these people listening you know because being a faith follower right Jesus had 12 but he said we're two or more gather you know so it can just be two um that would be one thing that I, um, say the question again. What is something you have learned from the podcast about yourself? <clears throat> the other thing that I have learned. <laughs> I'm curious if it's what I have seen grow in her. Is that <laughs> kind of going along with what Bailey said. I you- know it. <laughs> <laughs> Things don't have to always go how you have them planned in your head. And they don't have to be perfect. Which you think I would have learned that from my own daughter. But I do struggle with that in other areas of my life. And so with this, there have been many opportunities when that has happened. And Nicole has had it said, put the brakes on. Does it really matter? And I'm like, I know you're right. It doesn't. So. If you weren't going to share that... I was going to toot your own horn and say, I know when way you have definitely grown in this. But I, I think this has been a really personal avenue for us both. And I'm happy that I was able to do it with you. Oh, I'm happy you were able to do it too. Well, I mean, you're it's like had a podcast question. I'm going pretty deep over here with my questions. Oh, don't wait. Just, okay. don't, don't worry. Oh, no, no, that's making 
But I love that question so much. I kind of want to know like your response to it. So go ahead. What, go with your response real fast. <laughs> That's not your question. I know it wasn't my question, but it was like a really good question. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I think I would say, well, shoot. You know when you write a question for somebody, you never think about it for yourself? I think in this season, I am in a, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a ton of unknowns in my season right now. And I'm learning to just let go of a lot of it. So this piggybacks off of what you've learned is being able to let go. And I think because my season is so full of letting go, it's easy for me to encourage you of let it go. It's okay. This pod, Like we've said from the beginning, this podcast is not ours, it's the Lord's, and it's not going to be perfect, and we don't want it to be perfect. But when we had things scheduled or things didn't work out, of course we panic, and we're like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, but wait, it's fine. The Lord's going to use it in some way, so let's let it go. So it's been a reoccurring reminder for me in some of those moments. It's easy for me to say, well, we're just going to let it go and let God do it. Because I'm in just this huge let go unknown season of my life. So I think that was just a reminder, a good reminder. <laughs> you're really laughing. When you were saying that, all I could think about was that one night that I texted you. It was like oh, 930 at night. Heavens. The day before release day. And I'm like, Nicole, we've got to retape it again. <laughs> and remember, we retaped like four times, like uh, this one part. Yes. Of, oh my gosh. And you're, I was like, please don't kill me. There was please so much me. patience in that on my end, though. There was lots of patience you, for you. And you just wanted to go to bed. You got me on a good night. <laughs> you got me on a real good night. <laughs> I was like, okay, Emily, I'm ready. Oh okay, my gosh. we're not ready. Okay, we're ready. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, we're not ready. Okay, no, hold on. Don't go to bed quite yet. All right, Nicole. All right, I'm going to, okay, okay, here we go. We're just going to go. I'm just asking you this question. Okay. Okay, you just get your fidget toy. Okay. And you're just going to, you're going to think about it, and then you're going to have to, I'm going to have to do In working with students who have a disability, whether in the school system or in a volunteer role, what do you feel is your biggest obstacle? Mm. And I'm going to grab my popcorn while she's thinking. So the first thing that comes to my mind is actually me. <laughs> um, I have this picture of what I want things to look like. Oh my gosh, I need to go get the tissues. <laughs> Stop it. I'll just keep telling the podcast. (laughs) I have this picture of how I want things to look. And part of it is just how I'm wired and how the Lord created my mind and my heart all in one. That there's signs of perfection in me and there's also signs of pride in me. And... I'll say this very boldly. If you're two, you know, you know, you know. The number one thing um, for a personality type of a two 
on the Enneagram, which is just a personality, um, what, I don't know the word, but it's just a personality attribute list, um, pride can be the number two, which is the helper, it's their number one vice, and it's the hardest thing that they have to battle, so, in answering that, I would say it's myself because I have this grand idea and to an extent rigidity of how I want things to look. And also a piece of my pride is I'm the expert, right? I know I can do it. And I know my way is how I want to do it. So that's also part of the control, which part of my wing on this personality um list of whatever you want traits is like perfectionism and also the other side of it is performance so I'm smack dab in the middle of perfection and performance and pride and those three combinations can be like a whirlwind for my own heart and I think remembering that the flexibility has to come first whether it's in my profession in my school my my job currently I think I think there's a lot of myself is my barrier if I if that's the first thing I thought of peel a, I guess more of a surface level layer that's like the onion at its core but it's the first thing I thought of so I wanted to be honest and raw with saying that that it's me but the first layer of the onion would just be encouraging other people and not convincing other people but getting other people to see why I need x y and z to happen like advocating for it x y or z whether it be with my students or a volunteer role why am I trying to do X, Y, and Z? And the why and the how. This is important and this is why and this is how we're going to do it. it. Is more connecting and relating with other people to get them to buy in. Almost like I'm trying to sell them something and I shouldn't be feeling that way. And if I'm this passionate about it, it, it comes easy to me. So why can't it come easy to you? But it's not. So I have to encourage and get people to buy into why it's important and how we're going to do it. I <laughs> love <laughs> how you just <clears throat> unpacked all of that and the growth in seeing that in yourself. Because we have had so many conversations on this subject. Mm-hmm. So to see that it's has to, so we're going to dinner afterwards. So I have a feeling I'm going to be getting like a bigger version of this <laughs> unpacking at dinner tonight. Um, cause to just see it all, like your realization is very similar to like a realization that I just had and coming back to the Enneagram, which yeah. I'm chuckling when you said the Enneagram because today in church, Wags was like, oh, you're, you know, if you know the Enneagram, you quickly point the finger at somebody when you see them doing whatever they're doing. Like, oh, you're being such a two. Right. You're such a seven. Um, But if you have studied the Enneagram about yourself, you know definitely where you go. And so understanding who you are when you're in something and you're passionate about it, you're like, 
Wow. Like that, that took a lot of courage and guts. Man, yeah. I'm going to like, cheers to that. Cheers Nicole. to that. I mean, cheers to that. That took some, that took some courage. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I think. Let me wipe my nose. Okay. Yeah. That's. My nose. I did. I actually did better when you walked out of the studio for oh. the first like three okay, seconds. Good. 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 <laughs> So that was good. But look, I still have some you mascara did, and you makeup. You have some makeup there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Number one. Done. Okay. Well, but there was something else that you just said in the back end oh. um, that I wanted to touch on, and I can't remember what it was. You know, we're gonna oh, I think just getting the help. Oh. You said mm-hmm. something about advocating. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the only thing I was going to say there was those were the two things I was going to say. A, if you're looking at it from a Christian's perspective, we shouldn't have to tell anybody to be doing anything because Jesus tells us to do it. Amen. Period. Okay. There is no comma. There's no semicolon. There's no like maybe. There's no other interpreting it. Like he tells you what you need to do. Period. Right. So, and the second thing is I feel like people who are passionate, and even Elizabeth, our very first guest, and I don't know if she said this on the podcast or she said it to you and I in conversation afterward, but she said, unfortunately, it's people like you and I who are going to make a bigger difference in the disability world than people who have a disability because, unfortunately, people don't listen to people with a disability. Mm -hmm. It's people like us who are advocating for those with disability. How? Bleeping backward is that? Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna cuss on here. I really want to, but I'm not going to. How backward is that? Yeah, that's so backwards. Um, Hence why I'm calling out stores and stuff. Hey, we're just being real and honest. Well, yeah, I gotta be able to get in. So going along with that is um, a quote, or not a quote? <laughs> well, I guess it's a quote. Scripture. Scripture, <laughs> Jeremiah twenty two sixteen says he took up the ca- case. He took up the case of the poor and the needy. Then it went well. Is this not what it means to know me? This is the Lord's declaration. That is like my why. That's my why to go back to my question of just why in general is advocating. I want to advocate. I want to... Not just do it as a profession, but as a disciple mm. and to share what the real kingdom of God looks like. Love that. Bell. Put the bell. Okay. Okay. Okay, I have a question. Now my turn. I'm in the hot seat now. Oh, my turn. Yeah, you have to ask me. <laughs> okay. And I have one more for you. Your second question, Emily. Mm. First, I want to read you a quote. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So I got this. This is not my quote. This is a quote from um, Reggie Joyner, who is the CEO and creator of a children's ministry curriculum called Orange. The quote is this. Phase is a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. So don't miss it. Phase. Phase. P-H-A-S-E. So a phase. A phase. So say it again. With a phase. Say a phase. A phase is a lifetime in a kid's life 
when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. So don't miss it. Okay. So off of that quote, I would like to know for you to say to parents or caregivers listening, if you can think back to a phase in Anna Kate's life that was survival mode for you, that you know it was a phase, there's still probably many little phases along the journey, because that's just realistic of Anna Kate's life. But is there a specific phase that was truest, biggest survival mode that for anyone listening, whether they're a parent or a caregiver, but specifically the parents or caregivers that are in that survival mode, what would be your number one encouragement to them? Serious or joking? No, <laughs> Both? <laughs> you can do serious and joking response or funny response. My serious fate. Well, my serious response, in short, and then I'll elaborate. In short, is it's a phase. Like, it's going... It's going to end. I can't tell you how long your phase with your child is going to be because each child is different. And it doesn't matter if like I'm talking to another parent with a child's Rett syndrome because when you meet one child with Rett syndrome, you've met one child with Rett syndrome. Just like if you meet one child with autism, you've met one child with autism, Down syndrome, you know, go on and on and on. Um, it is a phase. So it's it's going to end. It is not going to be forever, but I can't tell you how long that phase is. And no matter when you're in that phase, a year can feel like 10. <laughs> and like five years can feel like 20. Like it's, it sucks. It really, it really, really sucks. Like going back to our survival days um what got us through were two things and I know that these two things one everybody can do and the other one I know it can be much harder for a lot of people and at some point in my life I would love to provide this to everybody on some level if I can. But so the first one is laughter. Mm. You gotta laugh. I mean, I, I won't, I try so much on um, social media to protect Anna Kate's privacy in a lot of different ways. So I'm not going to post pictures of her um, in certain situations because I put myself in her shoes like would I want somebody to be posting a picture of me in that so I I protect her privacy so I will share a story but I'm going to protect a lot of privacy within the story but she was really young and had a very good friend um who are we met when our kids were three months old so her son was three months old Anna Kate was three months old their names rhymed so if my friend's listening she's gonna get a chuckle I'm talking about her 
But something happened with Anna Kate and I called her and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're not going to believe it. And I tell her and she's, and I'm like laughing about it. And she said, how are you not laughing? I mean, how are you laughing? And I was like, well, like what else am I going to do? Like, am I going to cry about it? Am I like, you kind of just have to laugh about it and go with it. Um, And then fast forward a few months later, her son, who's completely typically developing, and at this point, we really didn't know that, we did not know that Anna Kate had Rett syndrome, but we did not think we were going to be special needs parents. I will say that. So I guess early on, I just had laughter. <laughs> Part of my parenting, I don't know, that her son did this same exact thing. And I just like laugh because her son did it. And I don't, I can't remember if she laughed too. I don't think there was as much laughter in me, but I think having me have showed her that laughter was okay in that um it's okay so you have to laugh Mm -hmm. i mean like number one you have to laugh will will find he will say stuff that like just gets me like chuckling because you have to laugh through it so anyway laughter look at look for your other kids to give you some to say something and get the humor from them the second piece and again this does not have to be for parents who have a child with a disability it could be for any parent but date nights are so important um and so will and i in our survival mode there was many so for us for anna kate and when i say survival mode anna kate had severe behaviors like i want you to imagine kung fu panda meets teenage mutant ninja turtle meets an octopus um so the girl has apraxia which is like a motor planning um right apraxia is like motor motor disorder so it if i ask her to do something like it takes her a little bit of time to do it because her brain has to tell her hands to do what i'm asking like there's like delays you know up from one to three minutes well when she's upset it's like apraxia goes out the window and the girl grows a third arm and Oh my gosh, like I'm just sitting here going, how did you just grab the interior of my nose when I'm <laughs> holding you down with both hands? Like, how does this happen? But I can't get you to do this when you're not upset. Like, I just cannot figure it out. So she had um, extreme behaviors. So, and, and aggressive. Like aggressive, aggressive. Because there's aggressive, yeah, aggressive behaviors. behaviors. Yeah, aggressive. Like we had to hold her down. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes until Will and I figured out what the magic thing was, one of us would only be dealing with her, quote unquote, until the behavior passed. Well, that could be 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, like up to an hour. So by the time the behavior ended, the person that was dealing with the behavior when it was over, let's just say that person was not a pleasant person, right? Because you had just been dealing with this. And so then eventually we figured out, okay, I'm going to do it for 15 tag team. You're going to do as long as we're both home. You're going to do it for 15. And that method worked so much better for us. But let's go back to the times where it was like one of us was doing it. So there was many times neither one of us wanted to talk to the other one because we're like just so pissed off at each other for just dealing with this. But I had babysitters that would show up at our house every single... And these babysitters were from Anna Kate's school. So it was, like, people that knew Anna Kate. 
And they would just ring the doorbell at, like, the same day, the same time, every single week. And I was some nights, I would forget that they were coming. And I'm like, all right, come on, we're going. And we had no idea where we were going. There were dinners where we would just sit there and we wouldn't even talk to each other. Mm. But we got out of the house. Mm. We got out of the house. And that is, I can't stress that enough for another parent. But I get that so many parents cannot do that because you don't have the people um, and you can't get it. So I don't take it lightly that we had that opportunity um, or it was my parents helping us out. But that definitely helped us. So, you know, there's tour buses that go around for different tours. I would love to do a special needs respite tour bus. <gasps> I mean, how fun would that be? Next idea. How fun would that be? Oh, my gosh. We can go to D.C. We can go, like, anywhere can... and just give people respite. Yes. And the stories. Amazing. Oh. That's, like, a dream of mine. Mom. My mom's listening. She will help us because she loves that. Remember I told you she doesn't like the word unpacking? Yeah, I know. I know you don't <laughs> like the word unpacking and I say it so much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, but she would help never. Help me think of another word. <laughs> she would never unpack her bag. She'd be ready to go at all times. There you go. I just think that there's something. I don't know. Just giving people rest. And in this next season that we are about to enter, there is something coming. Um, yes. In the state of Virginia. Yes. So if you live and you get to Virginia, there is something coming, um, where families can come, moms, dads, by themselves and get that respite that they need. Cause it's, it really is like on my heart to help figure out a way. It goes in line with, respite goes in line with your, um, Sabbath. <laughs> Yes. You need, there's a reason why God planned to rest at the end of his creation. Everything he created. So work, right? That's work. You don't have, as a parent to a child with a disability, you don't have all those same opportunities to rest from your work because it's a 24-hour 7 job. So that respite turns into not only your Sabbath, but your time to be able to rest right and this may or this may be wrong this may not be wrong just how i'm gonna say it um forgive me for saying how i'm gonna say it but i think it's okay if you don't lean into god in those moments of your your quote-unquote respite because you're leaning into me talking to you as a friend i know when you lean into the lord and that's in that's when you're devoting your time to him in your mornings but in your afternoons if you if Annie Kate goes like to the pool today with Will it's okay if you didn't lean into the Lord you had your respite during Mm -hmm. that couple hours so it it doesn't have to be your Sabbath but I think it could be beautifully tied into a time where you could rely on the Lord in those times too Hmm. so that's my answer I love that all right you ready for your next one (laughs) This one, you're going to love this one, so don't be nervous. Okay. Okay. Excited. So, you're going to, this is like your love language. Oh, what is it? your love language. I can't wait. Okay, you ready? (laughs) Okay, so, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that um, Nicole not only 
works with children in the United States with disabilities, <laughs> but she also volunteers in other countries serving those with a disability. So I would love you to walk us through a child that fits this setting. So think of a child, same age, who you work with in the U.S., and you have worked with in another country, and I want you to compare the two, because I'm just thinking simply off of, like, on the medical level of what is offered between the two. There's so many differences there, but when you think of two children, so, like, say, a seven-year-old here and a seven-year-old in El Salvador... Like, what are their similarities, but, like, what are their differences? <sighs> and I'm just going to kick back and relax <laughs> while she answers. You said this was fun. I mean, it is fun. And it's 7-Eleven. It is 7-Eleven? Oh, my gosh. Friends, we haven't even ate yet. Okay. Ate? We haven't ate yet. We haven't ate yet. <laughs> we haven't eaten. We haven't eaten yet. <laughs> Jessica, our transcriber. Trans- <laughs> Jessica, you got a, kick, a little kick out of that uh, language? <laughs> we haven't ate yet. We haven't ate yet, Jess. Go. <laughs> okay, real talk, serious. Hey, Polly. <laughs> okay. I don't want to go super, super deep on this, so I am going to just, like, crack the surface if I can. I have one student that is um, signif- so um, currently that I see throughout the week in the United States. I have one client that I'm working with that is has multiple disabilities, physical and cognitive and a child that I met in El Salvador over spring break, very similar physical disabilities, quite possibly on the same range cognitively. I don't know all of the cognitive function that that child has just because I wasn't with that said child for so long, only a couple hours, a couple times throughout the weeks or the week I was there. In general, the physical doesn't look different, surprisingly, um, just because of how severe the disabilities are, because they both have multiple disabilities. So, no, I won't. I don't want to. I want to say this lightly, but also not lightly. No amount of, well, actually, if I'm being very honest, I'm gonna backtrack real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to backtrack. <laughs> Said individual in the United States does not receive private medical therapy. That child is only receiving school-based therapy. And I'm going to be very honest and raw right now. School-based therapy is not enough. For these specific students that requires significant amount of physical manual therapy. 
school-based therapy can only capture what makes them functional throughout their school hours. Everything else that is not school-related or related to their educational goals, I legally am not supposed to do. Do I do it? You bet I do. Because I know some of my students do not get private therapy. So not only am I working on their academic goals, but I would say of the majority of their sessions, I am not working on their academic goals because I know they are not getting the services they need in the medical setting. And that is where I just don't mix with the school setting. So that's its own, that's its own story. But I had to say that up front. That's its own episode. <laughs> I had to say that up front in order to compare but not compare the medical piece because if this child that I work with in the school was receiving private. medical private therapy, that child could be ahead. Absolutely. I know 100% would be able to have gains and strengths. But because that child is not, and they're only getting therapy twice a week between two different disciplines, including myself, their their bar has significantly lowered. Now, the same individual, similar diagnosis in El Salvador, they are only getting a fraction of the medical therapy because it's not as open, it's not the, it's not as big as a resource in their country for many reasons. They get therapy um, and they do it very well, but it's not to... It's not what I think if you were to compare it to the American standard of OT or PT, there's a level of difference. And that's growing and that's changing. But I will say they are doing their absolute best. And they're skilled and they're knowledgeable and they're professionals for sure. But the families don't have as much access to that just because of how things are set up in the country. It's not on the professional's end, it's on the access to it. So what was the original question? <laughs> well, just to compare the two. The compare, yeah. So, like, would you say the kid in America... In grand scheme... Is doing better than the kid in Peru. Not Peru, in El Salvador. El Salvador, Peru, Mexico, right. Guatemala, which uh, Ukraine, Latvia, Romania, Germany, wherever... Um, I think it's very individualized. So, yes, we know certain medical things are various throughout all countries. And level of education, level of certification, level of resource, all of that is different. I think here in America, we have a high standard. But at the end of the day, that specific individual's disability is that disability. And... <clears throat> No matter how much medicine, medication, therapies, appointments, you name it, technology, it can and can't affect end-of-day function. And I think that's what I've seen in comparison with all the places that I have been. There's also levels of that. You know, even if, even so for example, in Latvia, they have great technology at the rehab hospital I was able to visit very similar technology that I had here at a previous position. Oh, wonderful, but they used it different. 
Mm. They didn't have the same theory behind it that we are taught in the America, in America. So it's, it's just levels of differences. And I, I say that with respect to countries and governments, because a lot of some healthcare is very government led too. Um, I, I say this with utmost respect that the people that I have met in two specific countries are doing the absolute best they can with the knowledge and the certifications that they have been given. It just comes down to that specific individual's diagnosis of how severe it is and how are they able to access those resources. And then how about when it comes to um, things that they need for modification, whether it's like an AFO in their shoe or like a wheelchair. Like here, you work with somebody, you get the script, insurance will or will not pay for it. Usually they will. How are they getting items like that? They're not as easily accessible. And that's where Johnny and Friends comes in. <laughs> so, folks, if you haven't learned by now, <laughs> um, Johnny and Friends is blessed to be able to send teams from America with a wheelchair um, trip. And it's Wheels for the World. So you get to go on seating therapists, OTPT that have wheelchair seating experience, get to go on these trips and provide wheelchairs. 250 some wheelchairs go out on cargos to provide for a list of people to come and they sit in the hot hot heat and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and they get fitted where there's rehab hospitals yes in these countries and some of them not all of them but it looks different it's not as easy as accessible Mm. for them to get those wheelchairs so ministries like Johnny and Friends comes in and partners with those countries and then they are able to continue providing equipment all for free. No insurance, um, no payment, no payment, just through the love and the model of Christ. So have you seen where somebody is non-ambulatory and mom has been carrying said child and all of a sudden they get fitted for their first wheelchair? You just be prepared for tears nonstop. From, I can't imagine. From the, so say it's me, say me as the therapist working with them, fitting them, to the mechanic, to the interpreter, because these are in countries, giant French partners with 23 countries, and a lot of the wheelchairs are in most of those, those trips are in a lot of those countries. So you have an interpreter, if they're not English speaking. So out of the therapist, the mechanic, the interpreter, the client, or the um, recipient themselves, and the family members, that's five people just witnessing a miracle. That is so easy. I should say this with a grain of salt. Of course, in my experience here in America, giving wheelchairs to people through insurance and writing paperwork upon paperwork upon paperwork for it to get approved, yes, they are grateful. They show it so different in countries that it's given to you for for free and it's the act of love and the act of service through the lord it the the level of acceptance of this gift of mobility and the level of um gratitude speaks more volumes than i've ever witnessed here stateside being able to do that in wheelchair clinics at my previous position 
gratitude across the board, but level of gratitude significantly higher in these nations that don't, that do not have that accessibility as easy. I think that's because we have so much here we just take for granted. We take way too much for granted. Way too much. And I think that's another part of why I love traveling for these trips is because what's so simple and little to me back in the States means nothing. It's not even something to consider when I'm seeing the things I've been exposed to. I had a woman try to give me her diamond ring as gratitude. Mm. And I had to turn her down three times. <laughs> she tried and tried. She tried to, she did give it to my interpreter and said, just put this in her bag. And he had to give it back to her and say, I cannot. And then we had to have the team leader of uh, our El Salvadorian team leader come talk to her. I mean, the gratitude is beyond wow. the, beyond that scope that you can experience here. So, I think I would be like Taylor when we had her on, and I'd just be going outside constantly, like, trying to compose myself. And be oh, like, yeah. Okay, let me go take a step outside. It's a constant, every every recipient, tears either of full sadness mm-hmm. and joy or just tears of joy. Love that. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being a guest on the episode, Emily. Thanks for being a guest. (laughs) It was so nice to have you on. So, last question. Last time you will be asked this question. For season one. For season one. Or in general, because I think we were. No, in general. In general. In general, Unless somebody else on the street asked you, or I'm just like, hey, Nicole, what are you loving right now? What are you loving right now? I really like this purple fidget that I got. <laughs> I think she's really loving this purple fidget toy that she has. And I'm not a, f- I'm a hate love for fidgets. I love how we look at the camera or the, the phone. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with fidgets, but this is quite interesting. I love it right now. I know. It's, there's something therapeutic about oh, it. Oh, for sure. There's for definitely sure. something therapeutic about the fidget toy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's just, I'm going to say, be in the moment, this little poppet. Yeah. Sorry if you're hearing the poppets <laughs> throughout the background. Emily, what's your favorite thing right now? So, my, I have one of those Revlon hair dryers that's also a brush. Oh. So, it's like you're brushing slash straightening slash drying your hair at the same time. And love it because it just cuts down on the time. And when we were away for spring break, something happened to mine and like all the bristles like fell out on one side and I was like, well, so I just left it there when we were traveling. I was like, oh, I'll get a new one. So we came back and I was like, you know what? I think I'll just use a regular hair dryer again. And I hated how my hair was doing. So I just ordered it again and I'm loving my Revlon hair dryer slash brush. And it's Revlon. I'll show it to you. I want to use yeah. it. I'll show it to you. It's I'm not gonna... like the Lange one. Do you know the Lange Oh, yeah, yeah. Brand? It's not that. I've got that um, flat iron, and I hated it. I have the flat oh, iron. You like... remember? I remember you saying you didn't like my no, flat iron I think when I we gave it camping. to Betsy. Yeah, I didn't like it. Not camping. So, Where did yeah, we go? Camping. Let's call it glamping. Glamping. We went glamping. glamping. It was so not camping. <laughs> it was the Airbnb in Charlottesville. Yeah. I didn't even think that's glamping. I think no, that's just, it was Air- just the Airbnb. Airbnb. <laughs> Calls it camping. 
She wants us to sound like we're a lot cooler than we are. <laughs> we are going to go camping. We get to go on a road trip, but we're not going camping. We're not go- What is it when you say we're camping, but we're not camping? Oh, my gosh. What am I going to do with her? Well, guys, it has been, I don't know what our time is. Sorry if this one's a little longer. I don't think it would be long. But, you know, before we end, I am just going to read a little quote out of this book that Nicole gave me. I love the whole entire book. So at the very beginning, you asked me about my growth. Right. Right, in the podcast. And I said, I'm looking at this book. And it was about daring to be and not letting fear take a hold of you. So I love this book so much. By Charlotte Gamble and Natalie, and Natalie Graham. Graham. Um, that, and it, literally, you can flip to any page in here and find something and be like, well, that was a really good thing they said. So I literally just flipped. You did? That's why I'm <laughs> checking. Like, does she have it? No, I, have, I literally just flipped to a page. And so I'm just going to read to you what it says. Um, so it says, you can choose to let failure define you. Or refine you. So, oh my gosh! So there, there you go. I'm just gonna let those words just sink in. Um, so if there's something that is on your heart that you have been daring to do, or you've been wanting to do, and you're letting fear just get in the way of it, just go do it. Just go do it because on the the magic happens in your. Outside of your comfort zone. Um, outside your comfort zone. She got it this time. It was a test. All right, friends. Season one has been super fun, and we cannot wait for season two. That's going to start up in the fall. So have a wonderful summer, um, and we will see you in September. Okay. Bye, friends. We hope you enjoyed another conversation and learned something that may change how you view people living with disabilities. Feel free to drop us a comment, like, and please share. 